I look at everyone and I see everything beautiful about them, but I look at myself, I see everything ugly about me. It's a deep-rooted insecurity. It's the fact that this is the only way I can look beautiful. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. We certainly don't talk about it enough. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, we're not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Now, if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. There's all kinds of other ways you can learn more and other ways you can contact us in the show notes. So check that out. And I should also add, if you have joined us here to talk on this podcast or you listen, I really appreciate it. And a friendly reminder, if you rate and review suicide noted on the apple podcast platform it will help more people find it and remember our main goal here is not only to have more conversations and better conversations but to help more people in more places feel a little less shitty and a little less alone thanks for helping out please remember we are talking about suicide on this podcast and we don't hold back so take that into account before you listen or as you listen but i do hope you listen because there's so much to learn today i'm talking with allison allison lives in connecticut and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, what's going on? I'm good. How are you? I mean, I'm not so good, Allison, but that's one of the reasons I do the podcast. It makes me feel a little better. Isn't that fucked up? Just a little bit. It's a little fucked up. <laughs> but we're all a little fucked up, so. We're a little fucked up. Thanks for connecting with me and talking. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, of course. All right, how old are you? I'm 22. So are you living on your own? You live with your family? I recently moved back in with my parents, so. What, is that part of the story? Just a little. Allison in Connecticut, you are a suicide attempt survivor. Yes. I have one attempt. How uh, old were you? 11. So 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Do you remember the first time you even thought about suicide? You know, where you're like, I don't think I want to live. I don't remember the exact moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, memory stands out. I was in kindergarten. I had a substitute teacher. Uh, I didn't like it when people yelled. I, d- I still don't like it when people yell. And she was yelling to everyone. She wasn't meant to be teaching young kids. And, you know, kindergarten, you were in Buxians, You ask a lot of questions. I always ask a lot of questions even now. And it just wasn't responsive. Um, and I just remember being like, I don't want to be here anymore. I always think like, if I, I don't want to be here. I don't always think like I want to be dead. I just don't want to be around what would it be like if there was a space where you didn't have to be here but you didn't have to be dead i guess that's like bali or hawaii you're here but it's so fucking nice that Born you're in like, hawaii i miss here. it you were yeah navy navy family navy family all right so born in hawaii now you're in connecticut yeah maybe that's why i'm depressed i don't know maybe part of it geography location when you were five and you felt that way do you remember did you ever, like ever talk to your parents or somebody else and be like this feels weird I can't really say I don't want to be around. I remember being like, I don't want to be around other people. I was also in daycare. My parents both worked full-time. My dad was out 
eight months of the year on deployment. It wasn't with my mom as an only child. It was just me and my mom. If I was in daycare full of like a bunch of other kids, different age ranges too, there would be 16 year olds with newborns. Like it was just this really nice woman that held daycare at her home. Everyone was there. There was a lot of bullying, a lot of hard relationships in a very close space. So I just didn't want to be around anyone, really. That's all I really talked about up until I got into my teens. Your two parents, only child, mom, dad's not around a lot. Is that challenging? Oh, yeah, it was definitely challenging. I mean, you miss your dad as a kid. I miss my dad. The area I'm in, like the neighborhood specifically, every single house is Navy. So I have no idea how that happened, but it was like retired Navy on both sides and then workers that aren't listed, but working like contracted up the street. And then across the street is actually active military. It, it was like, at least I had a situation where I wasn't the only one without a dad. Like no one had a dad. All right. And so here's what's interesting about these conversations is your suicide attempt was 11 years ago. Yet you at some point, not so long ago are looking for something online probably with the word suicide in it. Yeah. So it's not as if I know, all right, well, 11 years ago, Allison tried to end her life and she's fine. Like you're probably not super fine because I don't think most, I'm sure there are some exceptions, people who are really just floating through life and things are pretty smooth are looking for that. I consider myself floating. I kind of just wake up and I wait till I can go back to sleep. I, I have described it to like my therapist as like I'm on a rope and I'm holding on and I could let go or I could climb up, but I have no energy to do either. Right. I'm kind of stand still right now. All right. So when you're five, you have those thoughts. They don't go away. It doesn't sound like. No. And then six years later, if my math is correct, more or less, at a rather young age, I would say compare like I've talked to a good number of people and 11's on the younger side for sure. Yeah. How do you want to share that? What What happened? What led up to it? I was always sad, always rambunctious, and my energy amount and how I expressed myself was always like a negative part that people like commented on. I was undiagnosed OCD, depression, obviously, but like ADHD, like just so many different things that I should have been medicated for, I've been in therapy for, and I didn't have that structure yet. Mm-hmm. So I was just chaotic and going everywhere and just kind of going with what my body said to do. So it was very hard to discipline me. And it was very hard to, I guess, trust me in my mother's words. Mm-hmm. She was extremely overprotective based on like what she grew up with was her sister. So as an adult now, I understand back then I really didn't. And with my dad gone all the time, we just didn't have a great relationship. And then we got the news that my dad was going to be deployed to Guam for two years. So I really didn't see him at all, except for Skype for two years. He came back once for two weeks for my 10th birthday, and I ended up in the hospital. I contracted the flesh-eating disease, the flesh-eating bacteria that takes away your muscle and your tissues. And it's like, I almost got my leg amputated. Wow. Was a shit ton of antibiotics. Like I had four IVs in my arm at once. Uh, It turned into cellulitis. It was able to transform into that, which I had when I was a baby. So my body could help fight that better. And I got out and there was, you know, more family around because they came down to see me. And I guess from that moment, I was like, really just at a low point. The amount of time they spent in hospitals were very traumatizing because not all the staff is great, especially when you're a kid who doesn't understand why you're in a hospital bed hooked up to machines. I didn't get a lot of like communication with that. It was just, you have to be still to help you. Why do I need help? Dad around? My dad was able to stay home a little extra time because I was in the hospital almost dying. 
but it was like extremely difficult when he left because of that. And I just remember when he left again for Guam, having to say goodbye again at the airport. And that being like literally the last time I would see him for almost a year and a half, it was extremely emotionally difficult to get through. And we didn't have any family around. Like my grandparents came down from Indiana where they're from. And my mom is Canadian. She has a green card. So our family, like her family is not around at all. We always have to travel to them. They can't travel to us. So it was very isolating. And you're in school for some of the time, right? Yeah, I'm in school. Is anybody in your life picking up on the fact that Allison might be headed towards a dangerous, super dangerous space? I had a really good childhood friend. Mm. She turned out a little insane in high school. So we parted ways, Uh, but she also had her own things she was dealing with. So I don't really think she picked up on the fact that I wasn't in a good place. She was more focused on how she wasn't in a good place. And what happens at that time where it starts to build and you eventually, whatever that day was like, and you'll share whatever you want. Don't really remember what triggered it. I know me and my mom were fighting a lot more than normal. I was in elementary school still, still in daycare. One of the kids I was in school with, like class-wise, as well as after school, Daycare-wise, he like physically bullied me. I would get stuff thrown at me. I would get my hair pulled. I would get my skin ripped. Like it wasn't a good situation, and I didn't feel safe. And I remember it being really difficult one day when my mom picked me up, and I wasn't really talking. I didn't really have a lot of emotions. I didn't think about what you know me dying would do to anyone else. I kind of just went, "I I can't do this again tomorrow." My pathetic self. (laughs) At 11 years old, thought that taking like an entire bottle of Tylenol would do it, but it didn't. I woke up the next day. Even as an adult, like that was my plan. When I did have a plan, it was just take all the medication I had. Because at this point in my life, I have a psychiatrist. I was on antidepressants and I was on anti-anxieties and mood stabilizers. So I had like 15 bottles, uh, but I was like, I stockpiled and it got to a point where my therapist was like, you have to drop it off at the police station. Wow. Okay. Going back to 11, though, you so you take the Tylenol, you go to sleep, you wake up. Wh- whether you want to die or simply don't want to be here or somewhere in between yeah. the two, you take the Tylenol with an intention of something changing in your life, and it doesn't. And the day before, you had said, I can't do this another day or something like that. And here you are, you're waking up another yeah. day. What is that like? I was disappointed. I was like, great. I mean, I went to school still. I didn't really think anything of it. I don't think I really understood what I was doing. Yeah. We didn't really, at least in my school system, we didn't really learn about mental health and what suicide was until like middle school, high school. Oh, you actually talked about suicide? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about it. We talked about sexual assault and consent, all the severe things that we should be aware of that I think people should have an education on. Like in my school system, we were very fortunate to have all of that because I know it's not the same with other people I went to college with, you know? So Right. Yeah. Maybe it just depends on where you are and. I would be curious, I'm not really asking you this, but I'm curious how they presented the idea of suicide. I mean, they presented it as like, know the signs. And it was basically umbrella depression. Right. You have arm, you have loss of interest, you have loss of appetite, you have folding into yourself. And then it was people kill themselves. Sometimes they do. Well, they try. So is it weird to to have tried that and then you're in school between not feeling well and not talking about it, then trying and still being around like there's like almost, is there like a feeling of I've got the secret? Kind of. I still haven't told my mom or my dad. To this day? Yeah, to this day. Are they 
possibly going to hear this podcast? I don't think so. Yeah. Unless you specifically said, listen to this. Yeah. And are you going to do that? No. God, no. No chance. What do you think they would, your mother would do or your father would do if they learned about that? And now it's like 11 years ago. I mean, it's, you know, it's not yesterday. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I had, you know, my hard moment this year mm. where I was like severely ideating and my mm-hmm. therapist had to get my parents involved. They were very supportive. They were just helping me through it, asking me not to, like, what do I need to not to do it? But that's like the first time ever I felt that support in terms of mental health from them. So I don't really know what the reaction would be if they ever found out. So from 11 to today, I mean, how would you characterize those years? I know we're trying to smush a lot of life into a yeah. you know small period of time here, but. It's just a lot of depression and anxiety yeah. and insecurities. I was, you know, anorexic in middle school and high school. I have a history of self-harm. There was a little bit of, I wouldn't say drug abuse, but using drugs, not anything crazy, but like weed and psychedelics and trying to find something that would make me feel better. And now I'm at a point where I don't really do a lot except for work. When you say work, what do you mean? Like I have a full-time job that I'm like fighting to get more in than just what I have. What what field? Uh, right now it's a surgical dental office. What do you think you want to work more or advance in that? Yeah. Like just get more education, move up, possible promotion in the future instead of just doing like what I've been doing for the last year. Right. Did you go to college? I'm in college for HR management. You're in college right now? Yeah. HR management. In Connecticut? In Connecticut, yeah. Well, it's online, so it's wherever I am. Do you look back, or I mean, it's not really looking back because it still applies now, but when you think about junior high school, high school, and after that, like, do you think ever, like, that's some fucking bullshit. I got fucking screwed. I got- Yeah, those were shit people. Like You're surprised you didn't try again? Yeah. Do you know the difference between- 11 when you tried and the other times when you might've been getting, when you just didn't like, what's the difference? I think when I was 11, I didn't have a lot of connections yet. I was just in school. By the time I got into middle school, like I had a strong friend group or what I thought was strong until that fell apart. I had interests, serious interest in science and just wanting to be the best in school. Um, So I guess like in middle school, my main focus became like, yeah, I was depressed and I was self-harming, but I was also like severely anorexic. Like I just wanted to be skinny. I wanted to disappear. I just wanted to like focus on myself and be the best version of myself. And I thought that was what was going to get me there. Did it work? No, God, no. With depression and with sometimes like self-harm, I think people can hide it. So others around them might not know. Depends. But with anorexia, as far as I understand it, and it's not a lot, there are such clear, typically visual, like you see somebody who's very underweight, right? Does anybody say anything? Because when you're 15 and you're 25% below normal body weight, whatever, I have no idea if that's accurate, right? I'm just throwing out a number. No one pulls you aside? Guidance counselor, teacher, parent, friend, someone? No, um, the cutting, yes, because I had who I thought was my friend who was telling me to do it and it would make me feel better. Oh. Then the guidance counselor going, this is what she's doing. And then writing, she made an email for the school. It was Ledger Angels. And she would like put my name on signature for the email and talk about all the cutting I was doing. So that was very in the adults' faces. But the anorexia, like I wouldn't eat for three days and then I would eat and then I wouldn't eat for three days and then I would eat. So I wasn't really losing weight. My body was fluctuating a lot, which was also causing like a lot of 
issues because I just wanted to lose the weight, but I couldn't not eat because I would feel that hunger and I couldn't control it. Like, Do you self-harm today? Not in a while. Yeah, I mean, I was clean for a couple of years. I had one moment this year and I felt really guilty about it, so I haven't done it. I don't know how to frame this question, so I'm going to do it the best I can. Do you still or you do currently deal with anorexia, suffer from anorexia? I have anorexic tendencies just from my eating habits. I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat lunch. A dinner. I come home and I make dinner and I actively try to make food and cook now. Uh, but I'm having a very hard time actually like holding anything down if I eat it throughout the day. What do you attribute that to? Any idea? I don't know. I really don't. I'm going to doctors trying to figure out my health because there's something wrong with my thyroid. I'm getting migraines all the time because of my sodium levels. So like I am, I have other stuff that's probably contributing to my current weight loss. I lost about 40 pounds this year in about three months without trying. Is that something you wanted to do or no? I mean, younger self loved it. I was a little concerned. Like I looked in the mirror. I'm like, this is exactly what you wanted. You're great. Yeah. I had those thoughts, but then I also had a healthier side that was like, but it's not healthy. Like you should probably figure this out. And so what's going on in your life that you, um, how did you end up finding this podcast and why were you looking? Uh, about two years ago, I found it. I was actively moving out of my parents with my friend and her boyfriend, uh, my best yeah. friend, 10 years. You were going to live with them. Yeah. We got an apartment, all three of us together. So they are moving out of their apartment and I was moving out of my parents and we got an apartment together. It was pretty nice. Um, three bedrooms, two baths. And this is during COVID. I mean, right after COVID. I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but I was able to go back to work and not wear a mask all the time because uh, I was vaccinated. So it was in that time period. Uh, but my job wasn't paying me a lot. Um, and honestly, the people there were not the best. Same job, different job. Different job, different job. Um, it was still an office, just a different specialty. But just the people there were like mean girls. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of drama, a lot of disparity. If like, you made one mistake, it was severely criticized. I just wasn't happy. So I ended up like quitting, not meaning to. I gave my two weeks and then I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing this. So I left. One of the girls texted me about how much she didn't like me. I just kind of was like, I'm sorry you feel that way. I know it's probably my fault. Trying to leave us a good person and I quit. So. Uh, from there, though, I was like really depressed. That was like my first serious job. So I didn't really know how to handle those kind of situations. Do you move in with the boyfriend and the, the friend and the boyfriend? Yeah. And that was two years ago. And that's around when you found this podcast. I'm curious to know about what was going on there. She ended up breaking up with her boyfriend like a month into us living together. And he became pretty awful. To her? To everyone. I knew they might not last. She was my best friend. I knew. But I was like, if I live with you guys, you have to be completely honest. Like, I'm going to support you. We're going to get through this. Like, we'll figure something out. She was like my chosen family and I was her chosen family because we both had pretty bad childhoods. We trauma bonded definitely, which I now know is not the best way to handle a relationship. But it was just very unhealthy, very entwined, very toxic. Um, and she said like, no, I want to make this work. I want this relationship. So we moved in and then she broke up with him and turned to find out she was cheating on him with a mutual coworker of both of theirs. And then he was over all the time. That was only after he lost his place. So there was like four months where she just left me at home to take care of her cats and him, her ex-boyfriend. Who still lived there. She was cheating on the ex-boyfriend. That guy also came over? Yeah, he lost his apartment like four months in. 
So the ex-boyfriend and the guy she's cheating on are in the same apartment? I should have said something, but I was like, no, you're my best friend. I got you. Like, we'll figure it out. He doesn't have to pay rent. Like, it was really bad. Are you still friends with this person? No. (laughs) All right. So what happens that you find this and one day, a couple years ago, you hear this voice. It happens to be my voice. You're like, what the fuck is this? I always knew I had suicidal tendencies, like ideation. And I didn't really have anyone to talk to. I thought I had my friend. But when I finally was like, I kind of want to die, she just started yelling at me and did not help me. She made it a lot worse just with all the yelling, knowing how I feel about it. And just she was like, I don't really know what you want me to do. Like, you can't say these things to me. So I looked up like suicide. You looked it up to find other people or you looked it up to figure out how to do it? I looked it up to find other people. I felt really alone. I really didn't have anyone in my life that was the same, that had the same thoughts as me. Do you remember what you found? Obviously, you found this, but was actually your podcast was the first one that popped up. Well, that's good to hear in a way. I found a lot that were like depression and how to manage it. And they would be like 15 to 20 minute long, just kind of descriptors of what it is. But yours was like the only one that was actual people talking about their experiences. So I just listened to all of what you had. So you've heard my voice a fair amount, that means. Yes. (laughs) And so for two years, and yet we only first communicated, I think, via email, like, what was it, a month ago or whatever it might have been? Yeah, about, yeah. So in that whole time, are you like, maybe I want to do it, maybe not. I'd like to talk to this guy. I'm not sure I trust him. This is weird. What's going on? I kind of was like, yeah, I could do this. I just wasn't at a point where I could talk about it. But now I'm out of that situation with my friend, the chaos that was my life. It was actually two weeks ago that I emailed you because it was the day that my boyfriend broke up with me (laughs) over text. It was my first serious relationship. I mean, I'm polyamorous, so I have other relationships. He was my only like serious boyfriend though. Um, He would introduce me to it. So I'm very grateful that I had the experience, but I like opened up so much to him. He helped me move out of my house, like, or my apartment. He was very supportive. The only person I ever felt like I could actually trust. And he come to find out was like lying to me about everything. Really? Yeah, he was like, you can move in with me. Like, I would love it if you moved in. You can, you know, use my garage as a storage unit so you don't have to buy one for the remainder of your things. Telling me how much, like, how proud he was that I was taking school seriously and I had a bright future. And then he literally said, I just, this relationship can't end. I hope you understand. It was like within five minutes of, is everything okay? Yes, I swear everything's fine. Are you sure? I feel like there's something left unsaid. Actually, there's something we need to talk about. And I went, what? This relationship can't go on anymore. So no no other explanation. No other explanation. I got one a week ago when he finally was like, I've emotionally stabilized. He was like, uh, we're too codependent on one another. Is he right? I wasn't codependent on him. I enjoyed my time alone. I enjoyed my own independence. I didn't ask. Every time he was like, do something that would entwine us more. I was like, no. You have to wait a year. If you still want to do this in a year, then maybe we can have that conversation. But he was saying, you know, I love you after the third date. Those can be kind of red flags in a little bit of in hindsight. I, yeah, I had to learn that. I thought they were, but at the same time, I was like, this is like a really good thing. Right. If it was easy to figure out, it would be easy to figure out. And I mean, there wasn't any like future there in terms of growing more, I guess, because he, he, you know, we're Polly, he's married. Oh, on kids, I do. Like it was more of just this is a really positive person that I enjoy spending my time with. But I think he was wanting to give me more than what I wanted from him, and that's why it ended. And that's when you reached out. And that's when I reached out because I was like, I am not gonna reach 
a low point again after the roommate situation. During that whole situation of me, it was when I went, okay, I need to leave this apartment. Now the process of doing it was all the shit that happened. Mm-hmm. My therapist dropped me. He was like, you're too depressed. I can't help you. Wait a second. I'm sure that's not that uncommon, but it always strikes me as bizarre because that's their job. Yeah. It was, you're either going to go to a hospital or you're going to go to this group therapy that I recommend three nights a week when I already wake up at 530 and work till five. And then it would be at 530 till nine, three days a week on weekdays, not weekends. Um, And it would be with not just depression. It would be with addiction. Seems like it's a common thing that they put the two together. And it's like, I don't have an issue with drug addiction. I understand why it happens, mm-hmm. but this is not my issue. Right. This is something I struggle with. And I have family that dealt with it and it's caused a lot of drama there. So it's like, I kind of just want to focus on my problem, not everyone else's. And I didn't feel like it was a right fit. I asked for something else and she said, no, you need to go. I left. Yeah, I had. Well, she wouldn't see me again. So right. I somebody else and my new therapist is great but i was at like a really low point where i was ready to do it again and this is this month this was this year this year this month was the whole relationship ending but after already dealing with like the whole therapist and roommate that was about four months ago how close did you get to doing it i had to go with my mom to the police station and drop off all my medication my mom took all of the medication in the house and dropped it off. Unless it was like prescribed for my father and his COPD, all of it was gone. Obviously, that's probably the way you would have done it. But isn't some of that medication treating something? I had stopped taking all my stuff. I wasn't feeling better and it was causing me a lot more confusion because I wasn't stabilized. Like the Wellbutrin made me angry, but then the Zoloft made me so sad that I couldn't get up in the morning. And then the sertraline just made me too energetic, which is different from what everyone else had an experience with. But my psychologist was not letting me like actually sit in my medication for a month or two before introducing something else. He was like, okay, immediately we're doing this. Immediately we're changing this. Okay, scratch all of this. We're trying something new. I was just getting way too overwhelmed. So I kind of just stopped my medication cold turkey, which I know is bad, but I needed to do it. But I stockpiled it all. Like I kept everything he gave me, even when the prescription changed. Because, you know, sometimes we would go back Mm -hmm. and my Mm -hmm. insurance was not the best. So I didn't want to keep buying this medication. But I also was like, this this is good to have handy. This year has been crazy. It's been crazy. How do you feel about living at home? Grateful and hate it. Nobody in my life thinks it's like something shameful, but I'm shameful of it how often these days, let's even say like yesterday and today, let's use the word ideate. How often does that happen? If at all. Ask me that four months ago, every day, like every five minutes, there wasn't a thought where I wasn't like just wanting to do it. Now it's really only at night, three times a week. Yeah. It's definitely not the severity it was. It was just, it's more of, I wonder what would happen. Like what's the other side? Would I be better or would I, you know, have something worse? Yeah, I just, I wonder if we made it, if we knew for sure that it wouldn't be worse, how many more people might try or do it. Just to sort of gauge how badly some people want out. Honestly, the reason why it was so difficult for me to actually do it was because I'm afraid of it being painful because I don't want to go that way. Painful or like, well, it didn't work in your case. Yeah. But like, what if I get close to someone finds me and then I'm in a hospital on suicide watch? Because I've listened to the podcast. I've heard people talk about how isolating and 
aggressive it can be. And I don't want that. I don't feel like that's going to help anyone. I tend to agree. Yeah. So you've never been in a hospital for that? No, it's been threatened, but I haven't actually gone. Threatened is the word. My said that I'm going to call an ambulance right now and take you to the hospital or you're going to call your mother while we're in session. So I called my mom. Because you were talking about suicide? That always strikes me as bizarre, but anyway. I don't get it either. I mean, I just don't get how that would help ever, but. It didn't, ultimately. Have you ever lost anybody to suicide? Not personally. I know my mom did. There's depression that runs in the family. And I guess she found someone hanging. And that's all I've heard. I don't know who it is. I don't know her relation to him. I don't know how long he was dealing with depression. I don't know if it's genetic or not for him. I don't know if he's part of the family. I She won't talk. And you know, so you never asked the follow up question there. Like I, I would probably be like digging. You're like, no. Nah, I did. She won't answer. Right. There's only so much you can do. Right. Yeah. So you have a therapist. Do you have anybody else in your life who you can actually have a difficult conversation with? I have my friend um, and yep. her boyfriend, who is also my friend. Um, they helped me when I was dealing with the roommates. This is another friend and boyfriend. Yes. Yeah. Way different though. I met her way before she met her boyfriend. We were working together. Um, when I was 17 and she was 21. So we were just co-workers at a retail store. And she's someone that's really like encouraged me to stand my ground and set boundaries and not feel guilty. And she's just a really good person. She tells me all the time that um, I'm too skinny and then I need to eat more. So she like just sees it all. I haven't told her like about the past and stuff, like the suicide stuff. She just knows when I'm sad. How many people know about that suicide attempt? Does anybody know? My therapist, my ex-therapist, I should say. The person she sent me to for the group therapy to do the intake. Um, my ex-boyfriend, he knows. And I guess uh, the current guy I'm talking to. That's pretty open of you. We've talked about, you know, his dad killed himself. So I was like, well, <laughs> before we start anything, you should know. That's it. Those are the only people. I know you've, the word depression has come up, anorexia. Like, What were the other, if any, diagnoses that you got that you think were accurate? OCD. I wouldn't say it's more of I have to turn the doorknob three times. I do notice some things like when I lock my car, I have to do it three or four times. When I zip up my makeup bag, I I do it like two or three times. It's not as intense as other people I know, but it's more like I'm extremely organized and clean and I hate mess and everything has to be straight in a line and presented well. And that's, yeah, I've always dealt with that. So there's a name for it now. In the last like 11 years, do you ever think or have you ever thought, I really wish that night when I was 11 had turned out differently? Yeah. Do you think that way now? I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm not at a point now where I feel like I should kill myself. I'm really trying to be, you know, happy. I the- am, which is weird. You're kind of happy? Kind of happy. Like work sucks. Life sucks. But also like I'm seeing the good moments now, which I didn't before. I don't remember a lot of good moments from middle school or high school. I just remember the bad moments and everything else is neutral, kind of a blur. Remembering the good moments now. So there's something changing. But also like this year sucked. <laughs> if I didn't have to experience this, I would be happy. So uh, yeah, I definitely thought a heavily beginning of this year. I just wish it worked. Now I'm like, yeah, it'd probably be better for me if it worked, but I can make myself better. Life sucks. Everyone thinks life sucks at this point. Not everybody, but a lot do. Now, the, now the question that I've been asking lately, and I don't know how this came about, but it, we've already sort of mentioned it. Was like, 
If I gave you a pill, for some reason, the pill is purple and pink. I can't tell you why. I just made it that color. And you take the pill, you go to bed, you don't wake up. And not only that, Allison, nobody in your life knows that happened. They just think unexplainably died. The point is you're not here. Nobody thinks you died of suicide. You're not in pain. Do you take the pill? I'm giving it to you at uh, 8 p.m. tonight. I think so. I mean, that sounds great. No pain. People not talking negatively about you. Just, oh, she died. I say those things that you're not in pain and people don't know because those are the reasons people don't do it. For better or worse, those are the one of the couple of reasons, right? Like, Yeah, I definitely think about that. Like if I was to die, how people would talk about me. Like I, that keeps me up at night sometimes. So I get it. I mean, I don't want to say that I would take it. I'm hopeful that in like a year or two, maybe five years, I don't know when, but I'll be at a point where I won't take it. I wouldn't have that want. But right now, like, consider it. Do you live in any sort of, let's, for lack of a better word, reckless way? The kind of things that people do where it's like, whatever, fuck it, I'm going to do the thing, so I might die. Who cares? Whether that's drinking or drugging or what, whatever, whatever. I think you have an idea of what I'm saying. I numbed myself a lot with weed. I would just like be like, okay, well, I don't want to think about this, so I'm just going to get really high. And yeah. I would do that and then go to bed like three hours later after mindlessly watching TV. Mm-hmm. Never done like reckless drugs, like hard drugs. Um, I've done some psychedelics because honestly, I've learned a lot for myself by doing it. That I'm probably going to continue doing sparingly uh, with some you know, healthy intervention along the way. But weed, I've stopped for a couple of months now. It was causing me too much paranoia and too much stress. Because I took right. a small break during the move and then I got into it and I was like, this is this doesn't feel good. I'm not in a very high stress environment anymore. It's not doing the same for me anymore. Um, I drink. Definitely not like the alcoholics. My family words every day, but. You don't drink every day. I'm like currently like, when is, what day this week could I actually just get drunk? Like, could I get drunk? I would like to be drunk again. What do you drink? Oh, vodka. Straight or mixed with something? Both. And are you a binger? No, but no, like I, I don't drink a lot. I like my wine. I, I like having a glass of wine like three times a week, but you can't do a lot when you're drunk. Do, what helps then, if anything? Other than this podcast, of course. Like seriously, it became something that I could forget my own problems and hear. I, I heard some people that had a much harder time than I did. And I was like, yeah, okay. I can appreciate right now my level of shittiness compared to what some people have to go through. School sometimes, but sometimes I'm so stressed that I can't focus, you know? I've tried meditation. That doesn't help. Therapy the, with the person I'm with now, I'm coming to terms with my emotions instead of wishing they weren't there, which is nice. So that's been, you know, progress. But I haven't really found this thing that helps me feel better. I usually just need to find a distraction. And right now, listening to podcasts is what's doing that. When you listen to podcasts, is it usually like when you're walking or in your car or at home? When I drive, it helps. When I'm walking, it's usually with someone. Being around other people has also not isolating because I used to isolate all the time in high school and middle school. I wouldn't be around anyone. School, home, that was it. Now it's like, okay, I go to work. I don't want to go home. What can I do? I've asked this question around who knows about the attempt. Does anybody know that you've ever heard a podcast called Suicide Noted? The friends that I have, um, I told them I was doing this. They're the only ones that know I'm doing a podcast. What did they say? They went, really? I went, yeah. I went, 
okay. <laughs> right. Ask too many questions. So it was cool. This was more for me just to kind of like talk yeah. about, get it all out there. Are there any um, myths? It's one of my favorite questions. Yeah. The myth question or misunderstandings or misconceptions around. I mean, we really like talk about a lot of things here. It's not just suicide. It could be around self-harm. It could be around absent fathers. It could be about whatever yeah. has come up. Are there myths that you're like, nah, that's bullshit. With the anorexia, the one I get that I hate is that you hate fat people. It's like, no, I look at everyone and I see everything beautiful about them. But I look at myself, I see everything ugly about me. It's a deep-rooted insecurity. It's the fact that this is the only way I can look beautiful. Like that's, no, I don't hate fat people. And people with anorexia do not hate fat people. They hate themselves. And self-harm, you're looking for attention. Like, no, you're not. At first, when I, I was being told to do it, 11, 12 years old, very idiotic Alice. And I was like, yeah, okay. If you say it helps, it helps. But like, it's more of when I was an adult doing it, I get so overwhelmed with all my emotions. It would be one sensation I could just focus on. Mm-hmm. And everything else kind of like disappeared. I was just focusing on this one thing. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, the question I ask also around the future, right? Like, are you going to, is your 22? You said 22? Don't ask me if I'm going to be around when I'm 30. Hell no. I was going to say 23. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to make it to 23. We can't go too far out. You can't, we can't go too far out. It's just, you can't answer it. I can't even imagine what I'll be like when I'm 30. (laughs) You realize you're talking to someone who's several years older than 30, right? Yes. Okay. Like when I was in high school, soft uh, freshman in high school, I couldn't imagine graduating. Right, right, right. I have a very hard time seeing like accomplishment. Uh Uh-huh. Up, like upgrading. I feel like when I'm in my 30s, I know what I would like. Whether or not I'll actually achieve it, that's the part I can't imagine. Are you going to jinx it if you share what you would like to achieve or accomplish? I want to be married. I want to have a child. I want to have good relationships. I want to have a really nice career that I can be proud of. I, I guess I just want to be stable. Not wanting to kill yourself every day. Yeah, that'd be nice too. Might be a nice. Might be a nice break to not be thinking about it a lot. Yeah. Dare we even say maybe one day you don't think about it at all? Is it possible? It's possible. I don't know. I feel like when you spend so much time thinking about it, there's never going to be a point where you don't think about it. I had a nicotine addiction and I don't smoke anymore, but I'll still have like every once in a while, I'll be like, damn, I wish I had a cigarette. I feel the same way. Damn, I wish I could smoke. It's just, it's always going to be there popping up random times, you know? What's the name of your book? Well, almost always someone will say something when we're talking and I'm like, that's the title. That's the book. Yeah. The Last Pancake was probably my favorite one. That was recent, right? Yeah, that was Alex. Right. Yes, 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 yes. Hi, Alex, if you're listening. It was a shit year. That's possible. I'm not loving it, but it's okay. All right. So as we're talking right now, you live at home. You have a job. I have a job. You're talking to somebody, which is always exciting. Mm -hmm. Not that long ago, the person you were involved with ended it. What else is happening in your life? Not that there needs to be anything happening. I'm just curious. I have a lot of doctor's appointments. I'm taking care of my health. I don't really have a day where I can just sit down and relax. I'm always, I'm really busy right now, which is actually really enjoyable. I mean, the plan is to have a good conversation, make some food and probably sleep the rest of the day. Is that what you're going to do? I don't know if it'll actually happen, but it'd be nice if I could. What kind of food are you going to make? I'm going to make chickpea tacos. That's the title. Chickpea tacos. I like it. I mean, 
does it have to really make sense? No, we have nope. people to fucking buy it so they read it. Chickpea tacos with mayo. I'm not saying that is the title. I'm just saying it's a working title. It's a possible. We don't have to commit to anything, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that when this comes out on mm-hmm. whatever Monday morning, um, you'll listen to it? I feel like I'll be like, oh, cool, that's me. And then I'll be like, immediately turn it off. Right. So you've listened to a lot of the episodes. I think I've listened to every single one. But maybe not yours. <laughs> yeah, maybe not mine. As you listen, I don't know if this is how your brain works, but it, as you listen to the podcast, because you've, you've done it a lot, is there, are there any questions that you think you want to hear me ask that I don't typically ask? That's a good one. I mean, I, I, I feel like you're very respectful with the questions. You don't get too invasive, but they're also invasive at the same time. Maybe like you have the question in the document you sent. Like if you could say anything to your younger self, what would it be? So funny. And I almost never asked that now, huh? Because that feels like a corny question, but I would love to hear your answer to that. I would say to my younger self, like, I'm sorry. Like if I had the skills I had now back then, I feel like I wouldn't have been cutting. I wouldn't have fallen into the relationships I did. I would have respected my body a little bit more. You have to learn that. Like you have to fail to learn. I know. And that's why I don't love the question because it's like, it doesn't work that way. But it's still, there's still value in asking and exploring it. It's just, yeah, you would have, your 22 year old self would have said that to your 10 year old self or whatever age, but you still would have done the stuff. Maybe like if you could be your own therapist, how could you help yourself? Why do you have to be a therapist to help yourself? Well, I mean, you have to have a license, I guess. (laughs) Right. Sure. It's hard. Like I, I do think about that a lot. Like if I was my own therapist, how would I help myself? But I don't know a lot of the productive ways yet to help myself. I know my chaotic, unhealthy ways that made right. me feel better in the moment, but I don't know what's going to make me feel good long-term. I have to figure that out. And I'm learning it. I have some things that make me feel better. It's a habit of practice. Like You have to work on it. And it's very difficult sometimes to continue to work on something when you feel so awful sometimes. Oh, yeah. Do you have one really giant regret in your life? One big giant regret. I have no idea where that question came from. None. I like it. I do too, actually. I like it too. I feel like the last three years would have been extraordinarily different. Four years, actually. Four years would have been extraordinarily different if I went to Yale. I got into Yale when I was graduating high school. Um, Yale? Wait, are we talking about the university in New yes. Haven? Yeah. Don't don't take my surprise as like, I've talked to you for an hour and I'm shocked that you got into something. <laughs> But I'm just shocked that anybody would get in because it seems like it's almost impossible. Yeah, it was difficult. I had to you know, provide a very lengthy essay, as you usually do for universities, but my grades had to be exceptional. Graduated, I graduated with a 4.2 GPA. How did this not come up? How did we not talk about this? I don't think about my high school self a lot anymore. I was not good mentally. All the while doing so well is amazing. Well, school was like a challenge for me. Like it was the one thing that I was confident in. Right, right. Makes sense. Like I w- I'm smart. I know my stuff. I had to take a test and I knew how to study and I did everyone else's homework because it made them like me. The roommate I uh, had, uh, she would do college essays for money and I did it for free. So you're not a business person either like me. No, I'm not a business person. I didn't. Well, I mean, you weren't then, but based on that behavior. <laughs> So you're super, super smart. You said you liked science, especially. Uh, yeah, I, I got into their psychology program. Why didn't you go? I wanted to, and it was a fight to go, but 
I mean, from where I am now to where the university is, it's only an hour and a half drive. Oh, so you would not have lived on campus? I could commute. I kind of but- want to. It would be very expensive. So that was an issue in my family. The, you know, the option of scholarships wasn't there for my mom and dad. It was, you can't even go through school without having a panic attack right now. You can't go an hour and a half away where we can't get you if needed. Like That has to be a tough one to accept. It is. It really is. I think about it a lot. Like I feel like my life would be so much different if I just went to Yale. But you ended up going to a community college now and working and now you're online. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> community college was actually pretty decent. I enjoyed it, like just the college setting in general. But then COVID hit and we went online because of it. And If it were me, and I'm not proud of this, I think if someone would have asked me about it, and like I'm going, I went to community college or I'm online, like I would make sure they know I could have gone to this other school just so you well, know. Yeah. A lot of people know. Just I've said it at work so many times, just when people are like, maybe you should try harder. I'm like, <laughs> motherfucker. It's like, you don't know how hard I fucking tried. Anytime someone questions my smartness, my intellect. That's one of the big ones for me, if, as far as myths. I don't know if that's the right word, but just like, nah, sorry, you don't understand. It's like the idea of the struggle and the fight, you know, it's like, oh man, maybe in some metrics that you're using, I don't have the results that you would, but you have no fucking clue what it's like. At least I'm book smart. I'm learning life smarts. (laughs) I think also a big regret. I didn't take any finance classes in high school. It wasn't really offered to us. That would have actually helped like real life. I would, I feel like I'd be so much more stable now. If I had that education, I'm learning what investments are right now and how to prepare for my retirement. And wow, it's important to me, but like, I wish I had some sort of foundation with that already. People who want to kill themselves don't usually think about retirement, do they? I guess not, but I'm trying to, I'm in a better place right now. Yeah. Right. And it it makes sense because it's not just so this or that, you can be like wanting to die sometimes, then also thinking, but I might live and both both can coexist. There's obviously no rich man about to marry me right now. I need to prepare for myself. Maybe there's like a poly app for rich dudes. I think those are just called sugar daddy apps. <laughs> <laughs> that's an yeah. Okay. That's a whole that's a different podcast. Yeah, that's a whole different situation. Um, what else would you like to share, Allison in Connecticut? I think I got it all out there. Did it go I- as you expected? You can be honest. You can be like, dude, you're kind of weird. I didn't like you. That's fine. I want to hear it. No, I went better. Oh, good. I was nervous. And now I'm like, no, this was actually, I kind of feel like I'm listening to the podcast itself right now. Oh. So thank you for letting me talk to you. Of course. Thank you for talking. And you know, if you've heard the podcast, I never know how to end these conversations because it's a kind of a weird dynamic, isn't it? Somebody just shared all this stuff. Sometimes I never speak to them again. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. I mean, sometimes you do. You've had a couple of reoccurring people. I feel like I've had a few follow-up conversations, but I never aired them. But I might be misremembering, as we say. All right. So you're gonna eat. You might take. You're gonna eat some chickpea um, tacos with mayo. You are going to maybe sleep. And then life goes on. Well, thanks. Thank you. All right. Cool, Allison. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Allison up in Connecticut. Thank you, Allison. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. 
Check the show notes for all kinds of other ways you can get involved, learn more, including our membership. And finally, if you can spare a moment or two, if you rate and review this podcast, it will help more people find it. And we would love that. Thanks very much. And that is all for episode number 178. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.